Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Great. It's good to be in this series, Great Expectations. It is amazing. God is doing something real time in our church. Uh, I just want to thank everybody. You know, you don't need my thanks, but I just, I, we do need to thank each other. We, we are making this happen right now because God has opened the door. He's created the opportunity. He's given the willpower, the drive, the energy to, to go to a third. So we are planting a church. That's what we're doing. Do you realize that? You may not think it, but we are. Next service is a church plant. And so people will be coming in for the first time in the history of this church for a third Sunday morning meeting on a regular basis. And we just love what God is doing. And uh, before I go on, um, in fact, the title of our message this morning is Trusting God with Our Future. And it's good to know that God's really on board. And sometimes things that you don't expect happen that kind of indicate that he's with you. And uh, this morning in the first two services, uh, sorry, the first service, um, it was extraordinary because you may have heard me mention before that there, there were six babies due to be born around now going forward. And in fact, two of them were born in December. And amazingly, those two brand new babies, one boy, one girl, were in the first service for their first time in our church. And, you know, birthing is material to this church. It is. And right now, when God, you know, I spoke to Lyde, um, whose daughter Zoe was here, and she, she just said, we felt we shouldn't come for six weeks. And today was the sixth week. And so she came and just felt they shouldn't come. And it's almost like God is endorsing the fact that he's going to birth new things yeah. through us and through this church. That applies personally and corporately. And so expect it. To expect God to do things. It's just extraordinary. So great expectations of trusting God with our future. Um, it's, it's extraordinary. This week I was wrestling with what to talk about for this exciting day when I know we're stepping forward. Uh, but equally, I was in Israel this week, and I just share that with you because it did affect me. It affected me a lot. Um, I, I didn't fully know what was going on. I was invited as a guest with a load of leaders, a bunch of leaders, about 100 of us. And, um, and I didn't know that they'd planned for us to go to the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament, and uh, meet with the chair of the Knesset, who's a, uh, an MP, effectively, in Israel. And in fact, on Thursday, we were supposed to be seeing the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, but because of internal affair issues, he couldn't make the meeting. So, so in the end, um, I, I actually went over to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum, as you may know. Uh, it was very pertinent because Friday was International Holocaust Day. And so um, it was an extraordinary time. But uh, maybe touch about, a bit more about that later. But uh, it, extraordinary, really. Um, when you look at life, sometimes our vision becomes narrowed to our immediate issues and sometimes we've just got to take a little step back and, and just look at the bigger picture of what God is doing and yes God's interested in the hairs on our head or lack of them in my case um, but he's also got a big picture plan and BCC as a church fits in both the small but also the bigger picture there's a bigger picture it's like the puzzle has got different dimensions and as we together hear God's call to, to create space 
then we will see um, him move quite extraordinary. Um, I want to talk this morning about Abraham and Sarah when they were called by God to step out in faith. And I felt God saying, this is material to us right now, because so many of the parallels in their story um, are linked to us right now. And, And there's things we can learn from them. So the story of Abraham and Sarah, if you're not familiar, they were people a long, long time, thousands of years ago, who God spoke to, and they, they decided to step into a journey with God, and it was called faith. And he's the fa- Abraham is, was later called Abraham, and Sarah, uh, Sarai was Sarah. They had no children, but they had a big household. And we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 12, verse 1, and get some, some principles, because if we're going to trust God with our future... We need to break down what trusting God is all about. Because trusting God sometimes is just a big deal for people. It's hard to someone step into, how do I trust God from nothing? There are steps. God makes it easy to have steps into trusting him. And the more we're good at trusting him authentically, the stronger and more fulfilled our life will be because we'll be able to take those steps with confidence. And so Genesis 12, 1 says, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. So the first simple principle of trusting God is what has the Lord said? The Lord has spoken. I believe God speaks to all of us on a regular basis. He does it in different ways. Sometimes it's a thought, other times it's a conversation, other times it's the word of God. But God speaks and there may be other ways he's doing it, through a dream. Or, and a number of people had dreams in the church recently. And a number of you have had prophetic words as well. And I'm asking people to write down prophetic words right now. Uh, it's happened anyway, naturally, in the life of the church. But I, I think we're at such an important time in our future that we need to record what God is saying to us so that we've got a point of reference as we go forward. So um, God has spoken. How is he speaking? The trouble is sometimes we're not confident in what he said or we misunderstand what he said. Sometimes we try and make what God says a science. We try and overthink it through or we add bits to it. So how can we make good decisions about what God has said? I want to look at that just briefly this morning. The first thing is conviction. Oops, let's go back. Conviction. If we have no conviction that God is speaking, we probably aren't ever going to hear anything. There's got to be something going on in us that has a desire to hear God speak. Because he will speak to you. And in fact, if you're confident, he'll speak to you and through you to other people. Uh, And that's a whole journey in itself. But the conviction that God is speaking needs to be tested. And what's that conviction based on? Often it's a, it's a, it is something that goes on. It's something like a little bit of an adrenaline kick. Sometimes it may not be that. It just, you get to know when God's speaking to you. Those of you who've ever exercised any prophetic gifting or words of knowledge, or you, you kind of are developing that. Um, I spent maybe a year and a half with a guy who was an international prophet a few years ago, and God had told me in advance I would spend time with him. Just He was a close friend. He himself is now back in Australia. But God enabled that time for me to understand how a man of higher prophetic stature, i.e. a well-tested gift, actually hears from God and and then how he communicates what he hears you see it's not always right just to get an inspiration just go speak it can be but there are times when you've got to have the maturity of your gift to know when and how to do what God says 
It's a maturing process. It's not the burger thing where you just you know, order your Big Mac and pull up to the window, pay your money, and it's there. It just isn't like that. There's a journey of development in our lives. And that's what church is really about. It's a, it's a, it's a healthy, growing environment for us to learn together, to test out what God is doing, and to develop. So convi- having a conviction is critical. If you don't have a conviction that God's speaking to you, then you're, you're not on the starting blocks, really. But then... We need to make sure that the conviction is well understood. And we can sometimes fill in the blanks. We fill in the blanks with, with theological perspectives that may have come in from a somewhere else, somewhere. And you are rock solid on a strong <coughs> theological view about certain things. And that will, that will affect the way you make decisions. It may also be that, that you've got a strong aspiration in your life and actually it's coming out of your heart You've got something coming out of your heart that's so significant that it's overwhelming your thinking. Now, the danger with that is, we know this, I don't want to blur it, but the Bible says the heart sometimes is full of all kinds of evil, right? So we've got to be able to test what's in our heart and know that our actions that correspond with what we think God's saying is good. This is where counsel is very important. Now, the Word of God is a fantastic source of counsel. We measure, check and balance what we think God's saying with His Word. And we need to do it authentically. We can't kind of say, well, I'll pick that, but ignore that. God will use his word, and we have to be real about how we think about his word. But also, God gives us relationships, kingdom relationships, and there'll be one, two, three people in your world who you need to have a good relationship with at a stature that is good enough for you to go to and say, help me work out whether this is good. Because you can misjudge situations and a sign of your maturity is being able to go do that and have friends who are strong enough in their faith and experience with God to be able to give you honest feedback about what you hear. That's one, one way of the counsel. And uh, there's also, there is the supernatural dynamic. In my life, there have been some big decisions. I've said, God, bring me someone with a prophetic endorsement on this topic. And God's done it. One year, there were maybe eight or nine different individuals came to me outside of this church, outside of the world I know, in very different scenarios. And God spoke profoundly through them to me on an issue one year. And it happened on, another, another, on other occasions as well. But I don't often need that. But sometimes if there's a huge decision, you really want God's counsel, that is a good thing to do. And don't manufacture it, just let God speak, and it, it will happen. And then the third key way of testing if God is speaking what he's saying is the context. There is one Holy Spirit, God is three in one, but God won't make confusion, which means context is important. If you are being drawn into something that's going to create confusion because it's either you're not certain about what God's saying, or you, and your language is, I don't know whether this is God's speak, then, then there's a question mark. You need to understand the context. Now that can be, you can get the context through a, through a biblical perspective or through a counselling perspective, but um, how is what you are looking to do going to impact others? Because if God's spirit is in each one of us, right, in each one of us, then when God speaks, say to Jay, she's got, whatever God speaks to her is not going to bring her into conflict or tension with somebody else. There's going to be a rhythm about what God does. And that rhythm's important. Right now, we've got people in the church who God's got a strong ministry call on their life. And that rhythm is very... You may not know what I'm talking about, but but those of you who've trusted God and and relied on the Holy Spirit 
at times on your own, you'll know that you're looking for that rhythm of God's voice. It's, it's almost like music. It, it, it's just, you just know, it gives you a lot of peace in making hard decisions. It's that context, well, how is it going to impact others? And then what is God already doing around my context? What is he doing? Where are the door openings? What is the, you know, whether it's your work or a relationship situation or, you know, what is God saying? What is God doing? Don't just have your eyes on yourself because if it's just what's in you, then you will miss, miss the context of it. So, laboured that a little bit. So, Abraham heard God, Genesis 2, 12, 2 and 3. I'll make you a great nation, God said. I'll bless you and make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse them who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This is a couple who are barren, who don't have children. That's, that is a big deal. And they're older. And so God is going to bless the nations of the world through them. Well, we know the end of the story. And that blessing is Jesus Christ himself. Because through the nation of Israel, through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through King David, Jesus Christ is born. It's so important that in one of the Gospels, I think it's Matthew, it talks about the whole genealogy of Jesus. And I think it's three lots of 14 from the top of my head. Talks about the why? Because God's plan was He was. You see what God was doing with Abraham, even though He couldn't see it. He just thought God was speaking to His situation. He was creating a nation. He made Israel. God made Israel. Israel wasn't floating around, and then then someone said they're God's chosen people, and He chose them from all the other nations. No, no, He made Israel. This is really important to get. I didn't see this for years as a Christian. That God actually created the nation of Israel. He birthed that nation to be a visible sign to the world of how God deals with the nations. All his character is revealed in the way he handled Israel. And you can see it right up to the present day. So we can't dismiss Israel. Uh, I'll make you a great nation, but what is great? We want to be great in our own eyes, great in somebody else's eyes, but great in God's eyes is the most important. And uh, right now there's a a particular nation that's trying to be greater than any other nation. And... um, Let's make America great again. Really, they are pretty great already. I mean, in one sense, they're the most powerful nation on the earth. They've got more money than anybody else. Interesting, isn't it? They don't view that they, you know, Donald Trump would appear not to endorse the thought that USA is great. Let's make it great again. But you've already got the biggest army, the most finance, the most influence. You know, they've got everything, humanly speaking. And yet... They don't feel they're great. Why? Because there's something missing. In, in the scriptures it tells us, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. That's why the Volunteer Expo is not about BCC finding volunteers. It's about you becoming great because you serve. That's what God's plan is. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. That's the biblical principle about greatness. Don't try and go for all the riches. Don't go for the greatest power position. It's not about that. It's about seeing the greatness of God work in the humility and the servant heart that you carry. Jesus Christ was called the suffering servant. An extraordinary thing. So Jesus has got a plan for the world. He was there before creation. And he is the reason for the nations being blessed. So the second key point, the first was trust God with your your future through what God says and knowing what he said. And then responding. Ah, but before we get to it, I forgot we added this from the first service. Um, We love our queen, don't we? (laughs) 
So anyway, this is her response to Donald Trump. Can you read that? Make, a, make America Great Britain again. <laughs> Inserted the word Britain. I love that. It wasn't in the original plan for this morning, but it just seemed like a good bit of fun to stick in. Anyway, love you, Queen. <laughs> so second point, have we responded when we have that conviction? We've, the context is sorted out and the council endorses it. What do we do with what God is saying? Are we moving? Are we changing? Some people like churches to stay the same, make it comfortable and cosy. We're not like that. If you want cosy, comfortable church, it's not the place for you. We, we want God to stretch us, to shape us. Why? Because he's going to grow our relationship personally and corporately. It's a big and exciting journey. So Abraham departed. He heard and he responded as the Lord instructed, not as he decided but as God instructed. So there's detail in how God does this. And Lot went with him. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew Lot, and his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he'd taken into his household. When we make decisions, and we think God is speaking to us, what you do, if you have a family, is you will lead your whole family in that direction. And you might get it wrong. You might just get it wrong. In this case, Abraham didn't get it wrong. He got it right. And he had a relationship with God, but God uh, responded to his response of making a decision. Men, it's so critical that the men of the church are strong in their faith. Everybody needs to be strong because God, God keeps us accountable individually for who we are. But God has put a mantle on every man who has a family in the church to do the right thing with their family, to lead in the right way, to have a relationship with God that's solid, and to be accountable before God because God's trusted you with your family. And if you make a decision and it's come out of your heart and it's all about you, actually, are you really going to follow God's direction? The problem is your family will suffer when that happens. There will be damage done. You need to be hearing from God. And guys, we have a men's ministry in the church and the amazing Andy Elms will be coming. So Dave and Ivo, they've done a great job. It was lovely to be with them for part of yesterday morning. I encourage you to connect in some way. But... Um, you know, part of the council conversation is the power of being in these small groups. The small groups in our church is why these small groups are important to us. Because they give you the natural opportunity to have counsel one with another. That's what it's about. Because honestly, if you're just going to stay the same forever, you don't need to be in a small group. Because nothing's changing. But if your life is changing, if God is speaking to you, you need to be with people you can trust. You need to be able to share your heart with, in a trusted environment. You need to be there. And then you can respond knowing. I mean, that's just the way God is. He, he's never made the church to be one person. He made the church to be a collection of people, shaped, moulded together, fitted, a living body. How on earth can you function knowing God's will and get it right if you're not in relationship with somebody else in the church that Jesus Christ is building? I, I don't know how you can do it. I honestly don't. You'll be making mistakes and you need to be in fellowship. And that's why it's not good enough just to be here on Sundays. Those small groups are a critical part of the health of BCC. I encourage you, go to EasyJet this morning and get signed up. You could end up in Israel, but uh, who knows? Okay. So I have responded. Abraham travelled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the, the, the oak of Moray. Uh, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. As we walk forward as a church, we, we get to places where we have to stop and rest a while, gather our strength, and then make a next step. And that's exactly what Abraham did. Now, we spiritually set up an altar in this church during the beginning of the week of prayer and fasting, in our, in our earthquake night. This place was full of people. 
you missed it, it's okay. But we, for my, in my heart, I felt that that was an altar for BCC, that we come to a place that we were never going to go back to. We have come. And the principle of an altar in Jewish custom and tradition is that, and biblical is it's a place where you come and you give and you don't take back. So when you come into something new, you bring to God something that you just leave with God. An altar is not somewhere where you go and you take back. In other words, the principle is this. If you took an offering of a lamb or a goat or finance or grain or whatever it might be, we bring it to God and we say, God, it's yours now. It's yours now. But also we bring our iniquities. We bring our sin. We bring our bad thoughts. We bring our judgment of other people, our criticism, our frustration. We bring them all to the altar. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burdens light. Why? Because we can go to him. We create an altar in your home. You can create it. And you leave everything with God. You don't take it home with you. You don't, you don't go to God and say, oh, God, you know, it's been, it's been a horrendous week. This thing's happened. They've let me down. They've let me down. Go, you know, and make yourself feel good that you're then carrying that all home again. The whole idea of an altar is you leave stuff behind. You leave. You leave with empty hands. That's what you do. You trust God. And that's what we've done as a church as we've moved into this year. We've got to leave some stuff behind and take steps forward. It's a landmark point. These guys reached a landmark point. And BCC's landmark point is today. In our history, today, 29th of January, 2017, is a landmark in our history. We've existed since 1928. Today is a landmark point. This is it. This is today. That's why God's endorsing it with all sorts of things. You are part of it. And God is doing something through you as we are here. Third point, the Lord appears. This is where it gets really exciting. So the Lord has spoken. I have responded and the Lord appears. He, is, he appears to establish his promise. Sometimes we want the promise without hearing, without responding. We just want the promise. How many times have you heard of people who call themselves Christians who go, oh, I just need to go and get a book of promises. I just go and get a book of promises. My life will get sorted. I'll just get God's promise on, you know, let's get a promise about finance. Let's go and get a book of promises. Let's get a promise about health. God says it in his word. I'm sorry, you've just, gone, you've just gone to the end of the book. You haven't actually seen that you've got to hear from God about stuff. You haven't seen that you've got to respond personally to God's call. That's called obedience, by the way. We don't like obedience, do we? We just, want, we just want fast and loose. And by the way, there's promises in this book, and I know where to find them. So I can, I can ignore God. I'm not listening to him. I can go and do my own thing, but I'll go and dip into a promise, and I'll be okay. And then you turn around and go, you know, God let me down. It's all God's fault. I'm not going to trust him anymore because I read this promise and that promise said, by his stripes I am healed. Even that's out of context, by the way. Did you know that? Do you know what that's talking about? That's not physical healing. Boom, boom. It's healed from sin. If you read the context of that verse, it has nothing to do with your physical body. It's all to do with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I am healed from the punishment of sin. Right now, you can apply it to health if you want to, but you've got to get your context right. You've got to get if you get your promise out of context, you could be promise claiming about stuff that is never going to happen. Right, and then you will blame God when God said, "Um, "Come on, I've been trying to talk to you for a long time, show you a better way forward." I put you in a body of people where you can check out what I'm saying through the context and through the the counsel and all the other stuff. But now you've just gone to the promise. And actually you took the promise out of context. So it's all over to you. Oh, get some obedience. That's what, I mean, 
God loves you too much to just give you a book of promises that you dip into when you feel like it. Do you not see that God wants that relationship? Got to move on. So anyway, so we're at this key point. The Lord uh, appeared to Abraham. He appeared. You see, he appears when you do things right. He doesn't just give you a book of promises. He appears himself in your situation. I will give you this land to your descendants. Abraham built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Twice it says he appeared to him. And after that, Abraham travelled south and set up camp in the, in the hill country. In other words, he was moving, stopping, putting camp down, giving an altar, giving to God. Um, th- there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. Um, this morning, we are just going to reflect for a moment. This, it's been a somber time. You know, Israel, we've talked about Israel being God's created people. And they went through a very, very difficult time through the generations. Jesus came at just the right time. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he he was born as a Jew, line of David, in Israel. And he preached that message. He preached it, he lived it, he was that message. But he was rejected. And, and it happened. When God creates something, all the powers of darkness will fight it. And God created Israel and all the powers in the world fought that nation. And the consequence of that fighting was show, has been shown numerous times down in the history of mankind. But during the last war, Second World War, look what happened. Six million Jews were killed. The forces of darkness in this world try to annihilate that nation. Why? Because they know that God created that nation. And of those six million, one and a half million were children. And if you go to Yad Vashem, there's a special large room with these lights that twinkle and these faces of these children. And a voice will name each one the age they were murdered and, and where they came from. And that's a memorial to these kids. And some of you have not been able to have kids. Imagine what God must feel when 1.5 million were murdered. It's such a big deal. I, I can't dwell on it because it's... So don't, just push back. When you hear people saying, oh, the Holocaust never happened, it's rubbish. The demonic forces of this world pushed back against what God was doing. And this is how it exercised itself, through human beings. But God is still in control. How do we know that God keeps his promises? Because God knew this was going to happen. Ezekiel 36, 22, 24. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from me. This is before, way before Jesus, way before the future had happened. Um, And actually God says, I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I'm going to protect my holy name. So for God's own righteous name, he's decided that when the nations of Israel would be scattered, and he knew it would happen for 2,000 years, he would bring them back. I'll show you my holy name and I'll show how great my name is. The name on which you brought shame amongst the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you uh, before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord. For I will gather you from all of the nations and bring you home again to your land. Do not dismiss this kind of prophetic word. The nation of Israel was recreated in 1948. And Britain was part of it. The US was part of it. It's part of God's massive big picture. And for that, we praise God. God is doing stuff. We are definitely in the the later times of history. We build as though 
it's going to go on forever. But God is working amazingly. You watch what's going to happen. That's why we're called to bless Israel. That's why we're called to acknowledge it. And uh, Paul, Paul declared, I, I live only for Christ and him crucified. Can I have the worship guys up? You know, the, the church, our church, the church globally, the church that Jesus Christ is front and centre in was birthed in Jerusalem. Some say, Israel, well, that's, that's the old covenant. Let me tell you, there's a whole tracking of that nation through to Christ coming back. Why? Because he's going to come again to the Mount of Olives. That's what's going to happen to the city of David, right? And then lots of things are going to happen. But God is not taking his hands off Israel. And we are grafted in, the scriptures tell us. It's a very real part of history and destiny. But praise God that he is able to make a statement that, that his plans will prevail. We can trust God with our lives because no matter how bad it gets, God is still in control. And, you know, when I reflect about what I saw in Israel in this last week, you know, the, the tragedy of genocide, you realise actually going to three services is not that big a deal. <laughs> it isn't really, is it? <laughs> going to a life group is not that big a deal. It gets things back into perspective. You know, coming to a prayer meeting, it's not the end of the world. You know, for us, life's easy. There's no persecution in this country. We've just got to get a grip of it, really. We've got to make sure we're hearing that God is speaking, remind ourselves of what to do and respond, and then he will appear in the journey. Deborah said it brilliantly, you know. She said, push again. <laughs> she was, I think that might have been her best ever preach. It was certainly the most entertaining. I'll tell you, like, push again. There's another one in there. And, uh, and if you didn't hear the message, you've got to listen to the podcast. And we're pushing again because there's a third one in there. And that third one's appearing in about half an hour. It's amazing, isn't it? When you think that this morning we had two brand new babies, a boy and a girl, symbolically in our first service. Amazing. And there's a bunch more to come. There's at least four more, I think, on the, on the way. Some various points. But it's amazing. We are birthing new stuff. We're birthing a third service today. But you know we're called to be parents? That means we've got to recover. <laughs> We've got to strengthen ourselves. We've got to eat the right stuff. We've got to rest in the right way. We've got to care for that child. It is a church plant. I'm thinking ahead to next year already. There are people with a calling on their life in this church to take this church beyond its current borders. We can't just keep adding services. We're, gonna, we're looking to build on the side of the building. The plans are coming together right now. As we get more in the service, we'll run out of transition space. So we're, we're going to do that. We'll bring it to you as, as that's developed. But this child needs feeding regularly. We need to change our priorities. You know what it's like if you've had kids. You can't do everything you used to do. You've just got to change your timings around. You've got to be willing to give your life for the child, not yourself. These are all metaphors or principles. Anyway, we're not going to be separated in three services indefinitely. We're going to come together again. We've got a plan in May, on May the 7th. By God's grace... We've got the most influential minister in the whole of the Middle East coming to this church. Pastor Sam Maurice from Castro de Barra in Cairo through the whole Arab Spring. He's the most, well, I I don't know anybody with more influence in the Middle East as a Christian leader. Church is 7,000 people in the heart of Islam in Cairo. And they've got mission work in every Arab country in the Middle East. And he's coming here and we're going to have a celebration on that day as we hear about what God's doing around the world anyway we're going to have we got time to sing a song we have we've got a few minutes haven't we so let's stand what song are we happy day glory to glory. oh glory to glory let's stand
Let me just pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we're part of this new thing. Lord, we give glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.